The, the sad truth, though, is that there are Roddy Pipers in the world, and they do stumble upon gateways into knowledge. So usually our analytical mind doesn't even get into approaching topics that are contradictory because our intuitive, sometimes called system one mind, is actually doing the, you know, the most of our automatic and initial quote-unquote thinking on any topic, and so we're not actually analyzing contradictory information. I am Carrie, and this is From the Hip. It is a recording in which I talk about something I want to talk about with no script, no research usually, and I just go. And so I woke up this morning, February. 15th, 2021, thinking about a movie, and it's about time that I talked about it, and and, and similar uh, scenes from this, from this movie that I like also have come into my mind this evening, and so I'm sitting down here, it's 8.15 p.m., uh, and by the way, it's, it's some negative temperature outside, and snowing, and so here I am, I'm going to record, talking about the movie They Live. And I, I had watched They Live for the first time just over a year ago, and it stars someone known as Rowdy Roddy Piper, and he's a drifter in the movie. And, and he drifts into, I believe, Los Angeles, takes on a construction job, and just very much accidentally falls into, well, he, he, he's curious, I guess. But, but by a strange set of circumstances, he falls into the knowledge that there is an elite non-human force on Earth, often wearing a human costume, if you will, a skin suit, if you like, and they are very much in control of humanity, mostly by way of subliminal messaging in media, billboards, magazines, and TV and the like are all laced with uh, subliminal messaging that really has taken over the um, the control of you know of human minds. And so Rowdy Roddy Piper's character finds this out. It immediately goes very badly. And, but he, uh, he runs back into a friend of his. And this friend he's been working with on a job site, construction site. And this friend really wants nothing to do with him at this point because He's accused of killing like a dozen humans. Now, one of them, none of them were humans. They were all this, this uh, alien life form that was controlling humanity. And this is very clear cut. There's no question about the fact that these entities that Rowdy, that Roddy Piper killed, were not human. And there's no, there's no ambiguity. There's no, pardon me. There's no question about whether or not they were in control. This, this is very clear. And I just want to put that out there for you to think about. 
But the point is, Roddy Piper and his friend run into one another. His friend gives him Roddy uh, his his pay f- for the week on the job, and he says, "Look, you know, get out of my face." And Roddy Piper says, "No, you can't leave me. I these there's this there's these creatures that are controlling humanity, and they're using the the cable network." to do it and we got to do something about it and his friend says get out of my face i don't care you know his friend is probably working in los angeles in order to pay you know he's away from his family i think and he's like no get out of my way you know i'm not helping you i don't know what you're talking about and i think that's the gist of it is that he doesn't know what roddy piper's talking about has no idea that there's like he doesn't he thinks that roddy killed a dozen people not kill a bunch of aliens. And so I think what the exchange comes down to in this back alley is that Roddy's friend strikes him first. And and a a bloody fight breaks out between just the two of these men. And it is a knockdown drag out fight. There there are punches, there are kicks, there are you know, they throw each other into walls, throw each other into uh, cars in the alley. It is it is a knockdown, drag out fight. And the first time I watched this, which I've still only watched it one time, I had such deep appreciation for this scene because I immediately recognized this as the truth. Roddy Piper's character never wanted to hurt his friend and never would have intended to to get into a fight. He legitimately wants his friend's help. He literally, you know, he wants his friend to know the truth. And the truth happens to be that there's this alien life force um, walking the world controlling humanity. And... You know, one of the assumptions probably that Roddy Piper made, his character made, was that his friend would want to know the truth. And and so there they are. His friend doesn't want to know the truth. That's what he finds out. He doesn't want to do the, the right thing, as it were, in, in Roddy Piper's opinion, you might say. Uh, he doesn't want to be... A hero doesn't want to do something Um, but most of all he just doesn't he's not interested in hearing what Roddy Piper has to say he's not interested in learning what may or may not be the truth no for that no that that, that's not that's not a helpful way of looking at this he's he doesn't want to hear what might be contrary or what it what he knows will be contrary to his own view of reality and a fight ensues, a, 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 a fight that, you know, just as easily could have ended with one of them dying. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's long and, and it's, it's furious, but it's also kind of reluctant. And it kind of just breaks out, I think, because Roddy's friend is frustrated you know he he doesn't you know he's not exactly threatened uh 
or anything. He's just frustrated. This is where this fight comes from. And I, I watched this scene and I thought, wow, this is exactly true. This is real life, pretty much. Because this is... When, when, when you try to bring a truth to someone that is that they can't fit into their understanding to you know into their representation of what reality is it it's painful to put it very simply it's painful and they reject that and 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 to some extent the person who is bringing the the contrary information let's just call it that the contrary information is a threat to different levels of um, mentality within a person different levels um, being psyche being consciousness etc so so the speaker represents a threat and and I think that you see that, uh, metaphorically played out in this scene in They Live, in which Roddy Piper presents a threat through information. You know, he never he never just pulls out a gun and points it at his friend. He he's an informational, psychological threat, and his friend reacts eventually by responding as if he were a physical threat. And, and so normally what, how this is carried out in day-to-day -day life is not physically. The person who goes to lengths to, to bring knowledge to light, truth to light, that contradicts the prevailing view, prevailing opinions, prevailing... Um, factual assumptions, shall we say, that person is often not well received. And they are, you know, often vociferously opposed. And they can be ostracized, etc. But I think that if you want to, it, it is more useful to look at it on a on a one to one uh, personal basis in which um, rather than being rather than being totally ra ra rather than being fought they are just uh, well they're they're fought but you know oftentimes again on a personal basis they're ignored and and i guess if you look at it like that there's in a, in some context there's not a way to just ignore someone because because you know in the, in the case of Roddy Piper in this scene I'm thinking probably what happens is that he grabs the arm of his friend to say hey don't go anywhere he doesn't he's not trying to hurt his friend he's just saying I you've got to know the truth it's grabbing him by the hand and it's it's actually this this grabbing I, I think ought to be considered in the in the light of day as a act of friendship.
you know, we we have taken, you know, we, we, we consider that this same sort of grabbing might be considered assault, right? You know, it's it's something you could take with you to the police station if you really wanted to put some space between you, or, uh, you and another person uh, long term. But what, you know, but, but this also should be the same sort of action, I think, can, deserves consideration as something that a friend would do. As a, It's a sign of care that you wouldn't just let someone ignore you if, if you were bringing them the truth. And, and so because his friend couldn't just get away with him from him, there's an altercation. And so again, I think this is just, this movie scene was a really good metaphor for what happens usually and um, in the same sorts of scenarios. Someone brings in a set of information that totally contradicts what people think the world is and how it runs and so on and so forth. This this is probably happening to several thousand people every day at this point in time, uh, 2021, that is. I, I can't help but imagine that that's the case, that so many people are running into really big questions that their friends are, you know, just coming in with sort of disruptive explanations of what's going on, or they're tripping over interesting, um, or should I say, unexpected content online. And so that is all something that a lot of people are going to run away from. Uh, and, And so if you're one of the people like myself who who looks at a movie like They Live and says, well, you know, the, this seems like it could be as much documentary. You know, it could be a, a metaphorical documentary. Um, then you probably also have experienced what I'm talking about, which is Ronnie Piper's uh, experience here of having his friend just say, no, I don't want to know whatever it is you want to tell me. I don't care. I, you know. I want to go on about my life. I think that if you're like me, you've experienced that. And you know the the near impossibility of having any sort of fruitful conversation because the, the, the regular just ignorance that occurs instead of the the brawl that occurs in the movie scene is just is what you've come to expect and i think i guess the best analogy for for Roddy Piper's friend fighting against him is the the way that people usually just shut down they close themselves off. Sometimes you can see it in their posture. Um, they're just 
they're done. They're not you. They're just not listening anymore. If they ever were, there. But there's you know it's kind of like a a drop gate has has closed, like a, from a in front of a middle, medieval castle. Um, you can just see it. Boom. They're they're shut. And and that is the the metaphorical violence. So, but again, the my emphasis on on talking about this scene is that Roddy Piper's character has uh, has the truth. He has come into it, and and he pays dearly for it. I mean. He has to, he has to beat the pulp out of his friend, in order to get, in order to get his friend to the point where he, where he will submit to listening to the truth. Like only after they have nearly beat one another to death, does Roddy Piper's friend listen, and you know. I guess that, and that's one thing about it is they've nearly come to to their death blows. But Roddy Piper doesn't actually want to kill this guy. He wants his help, and he wants his interest, wants his compassion. And once that's clear, it's like here, here's the finishing move. You know, throw my head, just beat my head into the ground right now. That you know that would be the option, you know, beat beat my skull into the ground until I'm dead. Well, Roddy Piper doesn't want to do that, and I I think that that is it's just metaphorically just right that one Roddy Piper still has to take a beating in order to to um, to be this person who bears the truth, and two he he has to beat his friend nearly to death in order to um, have his friend listen. And and I think that that is, on a, on a very personal basis, that could, that could be the truth. If you have someone in your life that you depend on, you, you kind of have to bludgeon them with information, uh, usually over a long period of time, slowly, you, but you have to do it, and and you, they have to be overwhelmed until you know, and and they're they can, might be threatened all along by new information, and and until little by little they submit to the the fact that they just will that they'll listen, and that you don't want to hurt them. Again, I said early on that people who bring contrary information you know, starkly contrary information to other people are received as an informational threat and so just like this movie scene they have to be bludgeoned and bludgeoned and bludgeoned and bludgeoned until it's clear that the informational bearer doesn't actually want to hurt them you know because you have everything, every opportunity to to destroy you if that's really what they want to do, right? The 
the, the information bearer as the bludgeoner. If, if they were really a threat, then they would finish you off. But what they want is to share the world with you. And, you know, it's the way that I've articulated that um, gives me some, I have some pause, reluctance about sharing that because it's something that I'm also uncomfortable with in terms of its parallels to relation dynamics that aren't very healthy. So don't, please don't, you know, apply that across contexts in ways that probably shouldn't be applied because I don't advocate violence and I certainly don't advocate it under the guise of um, love for the persons who are being um, victimized. So, the, again, again, the, the informational bearer is someone who is often received as a threat to the status quo of the minds encountering the new information. And this is a very common story. And two stories that come to my mind uh, that relate are, one, obviously you have the story of Jesus um, or or even any prophet, probably, uh, any other prophet, that is. And um, another story that came to mind before that was Superman, or, or more specifically, uh, Superman in the movie Man of Steel with um, Henry Cavill, who came out... Uh, five or six years ago, which I, I very much like that movie aside from some of the technical aspects and, and the, the fight scenes that lasted far too long and were too repetitive. But I, I like that movie, and, and it, it relates very well because, because Superman in that role is is just being discovered. Uh, he's, he's just coming into public view. And, um, and, in, and he comes out into view uh, to fight the uh, aliens who just arrived. I don't remember all, this, all the details, but these aliens are even from Superman's home planet. And, and they plan to take over Earth, and the Superman comes out to fight them. But the militaries of the world, or maybe I just say the United States military, come out um, against Superman, as well as against the aliens. And because it's they just perceive that this human... Oid, flying around the world at the speed of light, roughly, is a threat. He can, you know, it's like, well, there's a human who flies and he's way too strong. 
Uh, you know, he, he needs to be taken out. He, he must be a threat. And, and, it, you know, so, so the reality of the fact, you know, that he's, he's actually a humanoid who's lived on Earth his entire life and, and has a, you know, immense respect for humanity and is out to protect Earth for humans. Nevertheless, he, he, he's perceived as a threat and for a while. Anyway, even, even though that his actions are, are very much, well, I don't remember the specifics. I've only watched that movie once when it came out. So, uh, you know, his, his actions are generally overtly pro-human, pro-Earth during a time in which the Earth is being attacked and humans are being attacked. But I, I would assume that some of what he is doing looks like a threat to humanity because uh, the people, the observers of whatever might be happening don't understand the, 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 the conflict that's going on. It's like if you have a fight going on between Superman and this other alien who are both uh, next to indestructible and they're like flying through buildings in the process of fighting one another and everything's falling apart, then I guess it might not be obvious that, you know, that Superman is really a good guy. He, he just looks like a blur that's destroying everything. And and so that, that pre presents its own point to explore is that kind of like uh, Roddy Piper's character in They Live, there, there is, there is room for some misunderstanding. Roddy Piper's character knows exactly what's going on now, or, or at least roughly what's going on. He, I mean, he, he's, he's totally justified in what he's done um, I would say, um, yeah, why not? Why not? I mean, it's crazy. The, the premise of the movie is just, is wild on a, on a technical basis, but nevertheless, um, there's no uncertainty on which he's operating from. And yet no one knows that, or next to no one knows that that's the case. And so, without people knowing that he was just, you know, if, if, if everyone thinks that he has killed a dozen humans, then, then they're pretty justified in, in fearing him, and so on and so forth. But they're not justified in fearing him, ignoring him, etc., because that's not the case. And so um, that go, we go back to Superman in the movie Man of Steel. 
he's interpreted as a threat because of some things that he has to do that are just unavoidable. Uh, a better way, of, there may be many better ways of, of saying that, but the point is that he knows who he is, what he's doing, you know, the, the standard of his own actions, and that it takes um, quite a bit of explaining, you might say, in order to establish that he's actually on the side of humanity. And I think, you know, to go back to the they live example, the, the fact of, of Superman's existence as, as a humanoid who is is basically indestructible is its own information it's not it's not like you know it's its own contrary information it we accept that story as a story but if in front of you today appeared a humanoid who really couldn't be stabbed or this or that, who could fly right through um, four walls without a scratch being put on him or, you know, a broken bone. Oh, and being flying on his own power. I, I think that that would tend to disturb most people, quite frankly. You know, I, we're talking about millions of people who watch these Avengers movies quite possibly. And I think that the, many of these viewers who are excited and enthusiastic about those movies would be kind of disturbed by meeting someone who didn't bleed or something like that. So uh, Superman's own being is a contrary information. And so that that's why... I wanted to go back to you know to make that parallel to they live again is it's 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 this theme of contrary information as a threat. Um, there's probably many many other examples, and 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 many less less violent uh, examples of these things, of these types of stories that is. But in in both of these stories that I've brought up is that it is that uh, the hero the the real hero of the story the the you know these both of these characters are in in these movies are one hundred percent fighting for the freedom and and future of humanity. Uh, Superman by fighting off alien invaders, Roddy Piper. Uh, I don't know if the, if the, they're considered aliens or not. I I suppose they are. I think they are, and he he also is trying to fight them off. And um, okay, yeah, he actually has to disrupt a um, a frequency. It's a it's a radio frequency, more or less that that allows this the whole thing to work 
And so he goes out to, to destroy that frequency and, and, and kill these aliens. And so in both cases, you have these absolutely heroic beings fighting for humanity. And at the early uh, levels of their, their quests to do so, they are, uh, you know, they're counteracted by by their friends, allies, etc., people that, that uh, they're fighting for. To me, these are very special stories and special scenes along the way because they're so true. I, I can't help but laugh. I think that, that laughter has been so important to to the last year or so of my life as i've seen the completely ridiculous become compelling truth in the uh, minds of so many people i'm going to give you an example of of one of these things is that we're told um that that uh, the flu case, you know, cases of flu were down 98% like influenza a were down 98% in 2020 uh meanwhile we had just wild explosive numbers of cases of the uh the SARS-CoV-2 or covid whichever whatever you want to call it covid-19 and, and this is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Please hang on and listen. It's, it's just totally ridiculous. The, the explanations for this don't carry a, a cup full of water, not a teaspoon of water. To, to attribute the 98% reduction of influenza to um, home sequestration, quote-unquote lockdowns, etc., the, the non-intermingling of people on a, on a normal basis is silly if we're to say that instead it's been substituted by the many thousands or millions of positive test results. Keep that in mind, is that a positive test result is not a case of COVID-19. That is ridiculous. Totally ridiculous to think that that could be the case. A 98% of reduction, 98% reduction of flu based on home sequestrations is, is preposterous if we're going to say that a different virus, which is quite nearly the same thing on most counts, is, is going to explode in number. It's like that, that makes no sense, other than the fact that it's considered that the infection, infectivity rate is much higher than the normal flu. Now, 
that that is the only difference but the thing is if sequestration um that would be pretty interesting except that um it would still not lead to a 98% reduction i haven't gone through that math but uh if if the r not of of influenza is something like 0.1 or 0.2 i think no 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 it's not that low surely uh but no i don't think that that the math would fold out to a 98% reduction and i also i don't think that we have the um the capability to to really justify the uh, number of cases of COVID-19 as they're presented, uh, mainly being that the false positive rate is far too high. And if it's if it's if it's if a, a false positive rate of one percent would have overcounted uh, the number of positive tests, you know, if we were going to call them cases, cases in the city of, of Wuhan or the Wuhan province, that would have a 1% false positive rate would have led to 100,000 positives. And so that is a huge, huge absolute number, right? I think that a lot of people think 1%, well, that's nothing. But given that we don't really talk about percentages most of the time on this topic, it's it's uh and and the absolute numbers are tossed out every day to justify the latest uh crisis management control mechanism uh 100,000 is a lot it is quite a lot and i think that that the, there's quite a bit of um fear hinging on absolute numbers on the topic uh, always. So I was saying that I have to find ways to laugh about that because it's, I don't know what else to do. I find there are some people who will surprise me, but I find most people generally unapproachable. They're, you know, they're, they're trying to walk around, tiptoe around persons such as myself who again just bear contradictory information uh and they're they're trying to um avoid the subject or subjects and they're they're trying to avoid the the topic of why it is and how it is that I could you know I could be so um far off of their track <laughs> uh you just have to find ways to laugh about it. Now, it was kind of sad because at the same time that I and and others have made a lot of important discoveries and and uh, awakened to some some mysteries and and craziness in the world. At the same time that that's gone on, a lot of a lot of people have actually been subverted in in their quest to make similar process and 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 specifically what i have in mind is the QAnon psychological warfare operation is that that has hijacked a great many people into thinking whatever 
that involves, you know, like that Trump is going to be president again on March 4th. Right. So and so at the same time, not only is that really sad that so many people's minds have been subverted into something like that, it then it leaves all the outsiders thinking that one uh, people who you know <laughs> have have made an informational divergence probably also are, are so crazy as to think that Trump will be uh, president again on March fourth. And I, frankly, the whole topic of QAnon is so convoluted that I I I don't. Actually, I do know where to begin because I've made a study of the topic, but it is is too it's too immense right now. So the the sad truth, though, is that there are Roddy Pipers in the world, and they do stumble upon gateways into knowledge my point bringing that up though is that so many people will will look at that and look at the people who are just they've got to be on the edge of losing their minds actually probably because of the fact that four years or so of propaganda has now just dissipated into nothing but it it makes a lunch of other a bunch of other people who are smart, who are intelligent, who have not fallen for that, makes them look bad because, because of the association as someone who is also dealing with quote-unquote alternative information. The, the sad truth, though, is that, is that there are Roddy Pipers in the world, and they do stumble upon gateways into knowledge that is well at this point it's generally available for everyone to witness but if you don't look for it if you don't have your eyes open to it if you're unwilling to open your eyes when it's actually right there in front of you uh, and i mean that more of a, in a metaphorical sense you have to you have to learn how to deal with something that feels repulsive again this goes back to that that scene that i first mentioned is is information as a threat it's it it feels repulsive and the uh, brain's you know intuitive part that is that does quite a bit of our own the quite a bit of our action instantaneously that that part of the brain is looking for a reason to or it, it's the thing that that shuts off listening further you know so so usually we our analytical mind doesn't even get into uh approaching topics that are contradictory because our intuitive uh, it's sometimes called system one mind is actually doing the you know the most of our automatic and initial quote unquote thinking on any topic and so we're not actually analyzing contradictory information 
um, most of the time. We're actually shutting off and, and pushing back and, and repelling away from it before we actually do any analyzing. So that's, that's a pretty important thing to, to consider. And I wish, I wish that I had claimed credit for that idea, but I've actually been reading about that in a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. Uh, I, I, I highly recommend it. But it, it really can't be stated firmly enough that that is, is almost assuredly the truth for the majority of people, because not only does that, is that going to be the case when it comes to a severe subject as, such as whether, you know, why uh, the U.S. entered World War I or, or, or what was the justification of entering Vietnam or many other subjects you know, like that. You know, if, if, if suddenly the truth of those matters switches, that can be pretty startling for anybody who, who cares uh, and for anybody who couldn't imagine why there would be any sort of lie surrounding those types of events. Yes, it needs to be recognized that most people aren't actually engaging with the contradiction on an analytical basis. That really must be recognized because on much, much smaller subjects uh, uh, that is of everyday sort of importance, our mind is is not engaging with them on an analytical basis. Um, you know, we're not engaging with our daily commute on an analytical basis. The, the, the first or second time we drive almost anywhere, our mind is, is doing a lot of the groundwork for the next hundred times we drive down that road. And, and we're doing a lot of that on autopilot. And I think some of you who use your phones constantly are probably aware of this, uh, is that you, you, know, you um, can get places without paying much attention at all because you've done it so many times. And so be, it, it's not that, oh, all of a sudden we're having a conversation with someone and um, we're we're running on our analytical mind. No, we're we're doing most of our um, our everything with our sort of intuitive automatic mind that is not very sharp, and that it's not engaging with subjects in depth, and it's it's built to get us through life without being in an analytical state all the time because that's more costly. It, it takes more time. And so we have this, this whole sort of, uh, it, 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 to some extent, it's, it's an abstraction, but we have this sort of autopilot mode of mind that is not very accurate uh, on big subjects, but it's accurate enough to, when on small subjects that have a low downside if it's wrong. Okay, so so um, it's doing almost everything. It's running almost, we're using that sort of program of mind almost all the time, and we have to summon the other program to analyze information. 
And so what I'm, again, I'm going to just try to drive this home is that when we think we're being rational in dispelling the contradictory information that people bring to us, we're actually not uh, because we're not engaging with that. We're on an analytical basis. We're that the dispelling is part of the system of mind that is trying to automatically get through things. So that's that. Um, I had no idea where this was going to go. And I think for the sake of time, I'm just going to cut it right where we are. I hope that that is some useful food for thought. I hope that the next time someone points out to you how so many things going on right now don't make any sense, that you will engage with their statements analytically and and uh, not automatically. Uh, I want to say that the intro and outro music that I have used in this episode and one other is, is by someone who goes by the name Pogo. He takes pieces of movies and, and songs and rearranges them into sounds that appeal to me and I just figured he probably wouldn't mind if I snagged uh, some of that. So I hope that the, this recording finds you well. I hope that you will stay warm, keep your wits about you, find ways to laugh about the craziness that we see around us, and I thank you for your time and your attention, uh, and I hope that we'll make something good of it. Okay, here we go.